When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of. The podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences and similarities between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo. And I'm Victoria Valdez, a Data Journalist at YouGov. And today we're talking about crime. From how many Brits forget to pay their shopping bags to how willing we are to report our friends and family for a crime. And we're joined by special guest Rav Wilding, host of BBC's Crime Watch, who served with the Met Police for eight years and spent four years in the armed forces before that. Welcome, Rav. Thanks for having me. Hello. So I would like to start our criminal discussion with a question for the room. Uh, do you think there's such thing as a victimless crime, Rav? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. simple answer. And it's something mm-hmm. I hear all the time. Yeah. People saying it's a victimless crime. If uh, Even things like shoplifting, sometimes people say, but it's, it's not a real mm-hmm. victim, but it is a victim because they're paying the same, and we're paying mm-hmm. and everyone pays for these crimes. So I personally don't think there is such a thing as a victimless crime. Victoria? So I hadn't heard this term before. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm guessing, right, crime that doesn't... Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, if you think about... So we're going to talk later on about micro-crimes, right? And yes. things like uh, taking something from a... Or not actually not weighing the right thing at the self-checkout. Mm-hmm. I think when it feels like the quote-unquote victim is a big supermarket, the sort of big faceless... like mm. It's a lot easier to think to yourself, that's victimless. Yeah. While I think... Obviously, if you're like robbing an old lady on the street, yeah. it's a lot more in your face. But mm. technically speaking, I think, you know, Rab is probably right. There is no victimless crime. But I feel like there are degrees of victim. Does yeah. that make sense? I don't know. I get what you're saying. And it's the, when you see face to face the victim, like you were saying, that the old lady and you steal a hammer yeah, on the street. Yeah, yeah. That's very different to a shoplifting, yes. But ultimately, there is always someone that is paying the price for a crime in Mm. my opinion, and that's my opinion of working in the police with a Mm -hmm. variety of crimes over eight years that I served and all the years that I've done the TV programs about crime since, someone's always at the loss, you know, and and that's the thing that people often don't realise, whether you're I don't know, doing piracy, stealing films or TV shows, streaming illegally or stealing from a shop or defrauding a bank. There's always losers. And yeah, when there's yeah. losers, there's there's victims. And victims are often the innocent people like us that end up paying more for things because of these crimes. Mm. So I would never say this. <laughs> well, I'm going to attempt to say there is. No, I, 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 I think... Um, I think I think what you say, Rav, is right. I think actually, I think actually in terms of victimless crimes, perhaps... Bring it back to money is actually possibly what the problem we have is when we when we regard things in financial terms, mm-hmm. and you say, "Oh, well, you can always claim against insurance and that." It's not that's not really the point. Like mm-hmm. it's about the fact that someone feels a victim of crime. It's it's a psychological thing rather than necessarily an economic loss that they may or may not have suffered. But it <laughs> is worth saying, of course, that some things that would have been considered crimes in the past are no longer considered crimes. That's true. Such as maybe having gay sex. You might you might regard that as a criminal activity 50 years ago, 60, 70, but well, it was 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you would, you would say there would be victims of crime in that respect. Now, of course, we don't regard that to be a criminal offence. So mm. as our society changes, our laws change, but do our morals change? And I think 
in some respects, I think there can be victimless mm. crimes yeah, because I think point. society mm. might be wrong. Right. <laughs> Well, the reason I asked is the survey I've dug into this week is about how many Brits have committed a microcrime. So a microcrime basically refers to a number of non-serious crimes, the type of thing that some people might argue is a victimless crime. So the way this worked was that YouGov Realtime gave the British public a list of microcrimes and asked them to fess up to which ones they've committed And the results suggest that each one of us is surrounded by criminals. (laughs) In total, three quarters of Brits have committed a microcrime. And this includes people who say they do that frequently, occasionally, or have done so once or twice. Um, So what counts as a (laughs) microcrime? Well, the most popular... If, if that's the word, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the cool kids are doing it. Exactly. <laughs> is paying someone in cash so that it costs less, knowing that that person won't pay tax. 43% of people have done this. Next is illegally streaming a TV show, film, or music. 28% of people have done this. No, or admitted, admitted yeah, exactly. to this. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if people are fitting yeah. in an anonymous survey. This is followed by illegally downloading a TV show, film, or music. So 24% of people have dodged a fare on public transport. 22% have lied about having their food to take away when they're actually having it in a cafe so that they don't pay tax on that. (laughs) 19% have lied about their age to get a discount on something. 17% have taken a plastic bag from a supermarket without paying for it. <laughs> Another sixteen. You know, as a side note, sorry to interrupt, mm. but when that five P thing came in, I was talking to one of the cashiers because there was some Daily Mail headline which was like chaos and madness in supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. As it was people chaotic. Are... <laughs> and then I asked this lady, I was like, "Is it actually that chaotic?" And she was like, "Well, no, it's all right, but people do complain." And I was like, "Well, yeah." Well, and anyway, she eventually she said that she would get fined. Five thousand pounds if she was caught giving someone a free five p. Wow, bag. really? Five thousand pounds. This was a cashier at Sainsbury's. I haven't fact checked this, but she told me <laughs> wow. that that was it. And, and it, you know, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was insane. That is. So don't yeah. don't ask them to do that, people, because you're putting them in a very dodgy position. <laughs> so the seventy percent who just steal them—that's yeah. better than asking better than to asking. get it for free. Yeah. <laughs> so the rest of the micro crimes that quite a lot of people have committed are refilling a drink in a cafe. Lots of things seem to take place in cafes. (laughs) Refilling a drink without paying extra. 16% of people have done this. 12% of people have eaten pick and mix in a shop before paying, (laughs) which is quite sweet. And 9% have put something through the self-checkout as another item so that they pay less for it. What a bunch of criminals. So I'm I'm really struggling with this because I've... I have done some of those things. I'm Which really, one? I don't want to admit it. Like, Which one? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I feel like uh, the sort of the, the <laughs> guilt. I'm like genuinely. Mm. I think the, the I think the idea of wanting to do that fills me with such terror. I don't want. I, just, I don't care literally about the impact on the on the victim of the crime. You're it's, scared of getting I just caught. Don't, no, it's not that. I just can't live with feeling guilty about that sort of stuff. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, genuinely, that is You're that is the main person. reason for not doing it. <laughs> so I don't you, think it's healthy. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> have you, for example, ever lied about your age to get a discount on something? Uh, I don't I definitely have. I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I'm not. So, I'm not. I'm not trying to present myself. I'm just not prepared <laughs> to admit to most of these things. Right. Uh, some, I'd say like three or four of those things I've definitely done. No, um, I remember. I don't know if it's still the same, but is the tube? Do you still get the the different colour tickets if you buy a 
Because when mm-hmm. I was a kid mm-hmm. and I was a teenager and we came to yeah, London, they used to have a different colour ticket for under 16, I think mm-hmm, it was, right. and, then, and then a certain colour when you're an adult. And I bought a child's ticket and, and I was genuinely 15 yeah. just before my birthday. <laughs> yeah. And the guy pulled me up and he was like, no, you're not, you're lying, you're lying, give me some ID. And I was like, well, I'm 15. I don't have any And I'm not from London. Like, I was I was like, you know, not a city boy and I'd come in for the first time. I was so scared. Just because I had a child's ticket and I was a child. <laughs> you do you do get a different coloured oyster card oh, if you're a child in London and when you get on the bus it beeps twice instead of beeps ah, once. Ah, that's a good... Oh, so wow. they can that tell if a kind of 45-year-old yeah. man is getting on with a wow. ticket. When, um, when you spoke, because you said you spoke to some friends about committing microcrimes. It did. When you did, right, did they always like frame it within a kind of yeah, no, I definitely did that a while ago. I wouldn't do it now, of course. Or do, is it like a sense of, oh, yeah, I do that all the time? Because so I think that's different. I specifically asked my friends, I did a little anonymous poll yeah. here, about putting things through the self-checkout as another item. Just because I'm quite interested in this, I think it's quite a sort of new phenomenon. It's quite a new mm-hmm, crime that mm-hmm. people are committing. And quite a few of my friends did admit that they do this. And basically the way that they do it is within the bounds of plausible deniability. So putting through a sweet potato as a normal potato (laughs) or putting through a chocolate croissant as a plain croissant. So that if you got caught, you could pretend you did it accidentally. But why do it's the fact they're consciously doing that? That's what worries me a little bit. And there are definitely a lot of people who go a lot further. There was that report about Tesco's like selling more according to their uh-huh. self-checkout selling way more carrots than they actually stock so it was that was right. a supermarket in Australia it wasn't yeah. it wasn't Tesco oh, it was in Australia um, <laughs> but yeah they they uh, reported that they'd sold far more loose carrots than they'd ever had in stock <laughs> Um, and some transactions had customers buying as much as 18 kilograms of loose carrots <laughs> in one go. Oh, no. Which That's is, bad. Which is that quite is bad. What I don't understand is why people maybe bother doing it. Like, is, is it a sense of, I'm sticking it to the man, like, we all, like we're, we're, fundamentally, you know, we're fundamentally flawed, mm-hmm. we're all human and all that sort of stuff. So at some point, everyone wants to rebel a little bit. Like, a chocolate croissant is like 7p more expensive than a croissant. Mm. What is the point? Like literally, yeah, yeah. like I'd ra- I'd rather someone just stole it because <laughs> I didn't if have the money. You're going to commit a crime. Commit a real crime. <laughs> but what is the, I don't understand the logic behind it. Well, another reason that people, again, according to friends, uh, steal from self checkouts is that if it doesn't work, it's too annoying. So you know, you try and scan something, it doesn't work, and you just think, oh, well, I think that's fair the, enough. The machine doesn't work. <laughs> I deserve my free right <laughs> or whatever. Is and it? that's, that's I would say if there's a queue and there's no one, if there's no one in the queue. Um, or if the cashier looks harassed and stuff like that mm-hmm. like that is the last thing they need of like someone just going hi uh, my apple won't go through like and I say right let's just call it quiz mm. actually I'm not sure I believe that <laughs> I, do. I don't think I can actually it's I think I just leave it what you, what you should do of course is put it back no you shouldn't even do that what should you do with it <laughs> No Shop right somewhere answer. else. <laughs> well, if, if your Apple doesn't scan, is that what you're Yeah, like, so you can't put it back because you've obviously been carrying it around. Oh, yeah, true. You can't just leave it there because that's even more work for the, for someone to sort it out. And that is probably cost more of their Apple. time than the, 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 the 21p's worth of Apple. <laughs> 
So perhaps the path of least resistance is just walking off with you. Maybe. So, uh, any <laughs> 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 controversial? No, no, no. No, I, I, I have, I have been in a supermarket before where someone was kicking off saying it should be cheaper because there's no oh, wow. staff actually mm. scanning it for them. So you're not paying for the service of someone to do that, which is a pretty rubbish argument. <laughs> that's an interesting one to, to watch and observe. But that's how people justify their... 7p by putting through their pink lady apples. I'm doing the hard work myself. You know, I don't mind those self-checkers because normally it's quicker than queuing up Mm. in my experience. So Mm. I I actually don't mind them. I don't mind. I still don't like the 5p charge, but I totally get it. Mm. I don't get why it's there. Um, I find the the self-checkout was given to a new phenomenon, which is the okay to queue jump thing. Where, if you've got so like in the co-op just near me, you've got like, okay to queue. Well, like there's the three, there's three cashiers, and then there's two self-checkout bits, and people will be queuing for the cashiers, mm. and there's no one going to the self-checkout bit. Yeah, and I'm like, so if I come along, there's like twelve, fifteen people in the queue. Yeah, and no one's using that. I get confused, and I think the only reason I'm prepared to just go and do it is because no one else is prepared to go. <laughs> oh, I'm going to push in front of all. They're not pushing technically, but they're kind of going. Well, I'm not going to wait. Like, oh. why would I bother waiting? I think that's too no, I think that's all right. Yeah. I don't yeah. Why don't people do it? I'll use, back so. you up. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I think that's okay. <laughs> so to go back to the results of the survey, there are some quite juicy differences between ages, genders and classes in this survey. So in general... The younger you are, the more likely you are to admit to having committed a microcrime. Which technically doesn't make sense because you've had less time alive to do it. Like the older people. Uh, One thing I picked out as well, when you break it down by support for a political party, Lib Dem voters are the biggest criminals (laughs) by quite a decent whack. So 83% are microcriminals compared to an average of 74%. Oh, wow, that's quite Which is quite strange. Uh, And one pretty marked contrast I also picked out is the age difference when it when it comes to illegally downloading and streaming content, mm-hmm. which I think is what you would what you'd expect. So younger people are far more likely to have done this. 57% of 18 to 24 year olds admitted to illegally streaming um, and 48% admitted to illegally downloading compared to 8% and 6% respectively of over 65s. So streaming was higher. Did you streaming think? is higher than downloading by, a, by quite a small margin. I know what you're talking about earlier about streaming stuff, but I remember like recording the radio um, when I was younger, recording the Top 40 mm. and waiting for my favourite song to come on mm. and getting the old tape on, yeah, hit yeah. and play record. Trying not to get the DJ. And, and trying, <laughs> but that's why they obviously used to talk over the end, yeah. the start yeah. and end of the song yeah. classically. But, and, being, and it was like a big thing that's like, it's illegal, you're not allowed to do it. It's like, <gasps> Was illegal, that quite cool though? <laughs> I mean, no. Why do you think? I remember that's got to be it. If, you, if you've got anything that's a victimless crime, surely that is it. The radio taking off, recording the, the radio on your cassette. Age nine. <laughs> but then you you tell that to the to the gym owner that's paying so much every month for mm. a, for a license to yes. play music, and or, or the spin instructor that's paying the same. And I, well, I didn't artist, even know this, yeah, yeah and because uh, to the artist. So and there's all these things I didn't even realise until mm. recently that the people are paying for these these music services legitimately, and that's kind of where they're losing out if someone's. Yeah, siphoning it off mm. even more yeah exactly or i remember as a kid when i was at school and and um back in the days of of computer games being on a on a cd or mm-hmm. you know and i'd saved up for months to buy this game and one of the kids at school was like, oh you've got that game that new football game oh can i borrow it and i was like, oh, okay <laughs> so i let him borrow it and um and a week had gone and it hadn't come back and i said where's this <laughs> game and he's like oh I'm, I'm still struggling to copy it <laughs> i'm so wow. mortified that i'd spent all oh, my money no. on this thing i was like 
that's mine. That's theft. And I felt like, <laughs> excuse me, I felt like the victim there that he was trying to steal my thing. And I think that's ingrained in my head ever since. Like, if I'm paying for something, Let it go, no man. one else should Let have it, it for free. That's <laughs> interesting though, because that's a whole other angle on like why crime is bad because one person pays if for it. If you pay, mm. why should no one else, you know, why should everyone else get it for free? That's yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. I think that's stayed in my mind since I'm I was sorry. about 13. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever have yeah. it. No, I, <laughs> I pay for my Netflix. I, what I was just going to say is the equivalent now yeah, sharing Netflix logins. I think so. Absolutely. I, you know. When you're the idiot who pays for Netflix, it's so annoying. <laughs> when you go on and one of your friends is watching. But there is something yeah. interesting about like how a lot of these things that you've listed, Matilda, are things where, like what we were saying earlier about what is a victimless crime, they they feel very faceless. That mm-hmm. you know, if you stream online, no one ever comes face to face with a Hollywood producer who yeah. like mm-hmm. made that film. You know, in the same way that self checkout, no one's going to come face to face with the CEO of Sainsbury's and mm-hmm. be like, "I know you don't need that many carrots," you know, <laughs> like, or, or the tax man. <laughs> yeah, and I think that yeah. at the end of the day, like for many people, it, it I think you could pro- they would probably genuinely say those it's almost like those organizations those those companies those businesses have so much money Mm. maybe that person who's doing it doesn't have that much money and just thinks do you know what i want to watch this it doesn't cost them that much i can't really afford to watch three films a week Mm. unless i'm streaming you know what i mean like i think there's really this feeling of like i need it more than they do also you know if, if you if you're taking someone else's amazon prime login or something then i'd i'd perhaps start to feel more guilty about about that if amazon pays slightly more tax True. <laughs> so, Amazon are, yeah, I'm, they're not committing a crime. Well, they're <laughs> not, not a libeling Amazon here, but mm. you but can, we're making moral judgments. We're making moral yeah, judgments right? as an individual. If, if you feel I'm, you know, you can again, it's your chance of sticking it to the man, whoever, yeah. whoever that may be on any given Sunday. But I think that's <laughs> the interesting thing with these with these micro crimes. It'd be good to get your thoughts on this, mm. Rav. In mm. terms of, I think it's a slippery slope where, like, I know that. I definitely have done a few of those things and mm-hmm. it's definitely a personal moral judgment of I'm going to decide actually I know this is technically illegal but I've decided that this isn't that bad mm-hmm. and I've decided that in this specific context or something like for example the 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 takeaway charge like sometimes it really annoys me when in a cafe they charge you a bit more mm-hmm. for like yeah, same, yeah. a banana or something I mean it doesn't cost you like I'm not leaving a big mess you need to clean up mm-hmm. you know and so VAT I will say I'm taking away because well. I've decided I disagree with the notion that you're charging me more so I'm making that judgment myself <laughs> but that is an incredibly slippery slope yeah. you know, I'm going to take this car because I've decided I need to drive more than whoever's car this is. <laughs> but then I suppose if you look at it, if you if you multiply it by the population, if you've got twenty five percent of people that are saying they're, is it who's doing the supermarket one claiming they're paying for something so less than what they're actually putting? That was for. only nine percent. Okay, but, but even so, if it was nine percent and mm. it's nine percent of everyone that goes to every mm. supermarket, yeah, a lot uses, of people. that is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then if we're paying full price, mm. you see what I mean? When yeah, you when you put definitely. it when you look at it like that, it's it's very different. Um, I, I think, don't like yeah, people. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. I wonder how much that would change. Would it change how guilty someone feels about it if they knew how many people do it, or would they then think, well, everyone does it? You know, because mm-hmm. I think in in one sense, your friend stealing that one croissant costs it seven <laughs> p, but if millions of people do that, that mm-hmm. costs that shop. Well, God it's, knows it's almost like looking. I know it's not on the list, but like car insurance, for example, and people mm-hmm. making fraudulent mm-hmm. claims saying they got whiplash, for example, mm-hmm. and this it's just an insurance company. You know, they got loads yeah. of money; they can pay for it. But it's not because it's us. Mm. We're the ones that then, when our p- premiums keep going up and up and up and up, mm-hmm. it's for reasons like that. Mm. So I think we're always gonna, always gonna have victims that end up paying for it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, I'm going to move it on from uh, micro crimes to... They're not micro! <laughs> <laughs> crimes are crimes. We need a new micro, like actual legislation saying yeah. micro crimes. Yeah. Uh, to slightly more uh, hardcore crimes, should we right. say. So I'm going to ask the group initially, um, how far would a friend or family member have to go before you reported them to the police? So I, I think it, I was going to go and ask you individually, but that might be a bit harsh. Let's sort of take a sort. I'm going to work up, my, work my way up some crimes, okay, and then find out. So this is a close friend, yeah. family member, mm-hmm. okay, really super close friend, known for years, okay. If, if they shoplifted, <laughs> really like them. If you really like them, if they shoplifted, what do we think? What does the room think? Would you report them to the police if if you knew that a family member had been shoplifting? No, not a chance. Not a chance, okay, interesting. Uh, tax evasion. If if I I mean if they blatantly admitted to to tax evasion, then I mean reported to the police is yeah. a hard one, isn't it? To actually uh, when they're slightly busy at the moment to mm. phone up. So by the way, I <laughs> yeah. know you've got a lot on, but my cousin yeah. Yeah. didn't do his tax return on time. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. How about falsely claiming? But I'm still I'm still working more out because I okay. haven't got anything mm. definitive yet. I think falsely claiming benefits. If you knew someone else was doing that, God, I really I still can't think. imagine I would. No. Uh, Dealing just a tiny bit of cannabis. <laughs> dealing? <laughs> yeah. dealing. Drug, drug dealing, dealing cannabis was one of the other questions. Still no. No? Don't think so. Okay. It's the, it's the fact that it's saying report to the police. Would I, would with any of these things, would I have an issue with it? Yes. With any of these mm. things, would I bring it up with them? Mm. Yes. And mm. with any of these things, could things be done like, I don't know, the drug dealer. If I knew someone was dealing drugs, mm. then you could report that via Crime Stoppers, for example, like make an anonymous phone call and say, look, just so you know, someone's doing this. But, uh, to actually phone the police and say, just so you know, this is this mm. is going on is is slightly it's, different. The, the cannabis one is one of the particularly interesting ones, because of mm. course, in many parts of the world, which uh, share various sort of similar cultural and um, historical backgrounds to the UK, it's perfectly legal. True. Um, so it's it's interesting. Uh, drunk driving. I think this is an interesting one. Would you report someone for drunk driving? Oh. Well, that's a. <laughs> That's something that I, this is so I, hard. I, I, if I wish you could all see their faces, yeah. it's real yeah. grimaces. But would you, what, what, what are we talking? What sort of scenario are we talking about? Someone's just left and he's got behind the wheel and driven off, or someone's just got in and said, um, and you know that they've two pints and then they've gone. I think off. actually, That's, hearing that, you say that now, I think I would. Very different, doesn't it? How you mm. look at the situation. But I think um, you have to because at that point it is genuinely like I know this person is drunk. They're now on the street. They've put other people in danger. I can say nothing. And they might hurt someone or kill someone, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean, like very easily, or themselves. Well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah, I, I know friends and family have drunk, drunk driven, drunk mm-hmm. drove, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <drunk-driven. laughs> um, and haven't reported it. But as you say, if I knew that someone was 
currently or about to do that. Yeah. And they were like really, really pissed drunk. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it would be quite different. Dangerous. I used to work in um, in Peckham and, and Camberwell when I was in the police and it was the highest at the time um, proportion of African mm. uh, people in the UK, I believe. It was something, and there was a very, very high concentration. Then with that, you get a lot of the cultural issues mm. and a lot of the people would drink in, in the area yeah. that I worked, especially the ones that were visiting. Perhaps they'd come over to stay with their family. They didn't understand the law maybe. But a lot of people would get behind the wheel after mm. having uh, far too much to drink, which which is quite scary. So you've got that side of it as well, you know, the, the mm. cultural influence that some mm. people think is more acceptable perhaps yeah, yeah. than others. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll move up, move up a scale. Uh, <laughs> assault. <laughs> Sorry, don't mean to laugh. Um, <laughs> but I think... Uh, what, surely. What, uh, yeah. what flavour of assault? Uh, so like common assault. So I think, I mean, attacking a stranger in this case because domestic violence is another option. Mm. But I think, I mean, I'm still like, even with assault, I assume people would be like, yeah. That's, I feel that, like that's with the these things, point, for but... me, there's two scenarios. One scenario is, are they in immediate danger? So let's say that I'm on the street, I'm with my friend, something i don't know i turn around for a moment come back they're punching up a stranger right and i think i need the police here to break mm. this up you know like then i will i'll call because it'll be like i need to alleviate this immediate danger in the same way as if someone gets in a car and drives off you need to alleviate the immediate mm. danger while i think if it's something where it's it's not necessarily like it's happening right now and you have to decide what to do and it's more what do we do about this situation for me the question is like are they a danger to society like is it is it really important for other people's safety that that they're arrested or that they're at least like treated by the law or do, does it feel like me my close friends and my family can sort of deal with this ourselves and also you you're going to look at the assault goes from common assault which could be as much yeah. as a little bit of reddening or mm. you know on an arm to mm. to gbh mm. within 10 which is punishable by life imprisonment you know which mm. is life-changing injuries so there's a lot of levels of that as well mm. so yeah. if someone's yeah. pushed someone over at a barbecue and uh, because they're annoyed with them <laughs> that's one thing yeah. if someone's you know life support for the rest of their life yeah. that's obviously something completely different mm. yeah. it's interesting though but so so according to uh you Gov real time uh so so the the 12 the 12 crimes that they were asked about were shoplifting mm. tax evasion falsely claiming benefits drug dealing cannabis Drunk driving, assault, possession of a firearm, cruelty to animals, domestic violence, drug dealing, slightly more hard drugs, heroin, mm-hmm. for example, uh, rape and murder. And the stat showed, it's quite surprising, uh, Brits said they would, they, Brits are most likely to say they would definitely report close friends and family members for murder and rape. That was 77% mm-hmm. and 76%. That, that still that means much? one in four, much, yeah. one in four would not definitely report a family member for murdering someone, which is quite staggering, I think. Uh, But after those two, actually, it really drops off. Mm -hmm. So even drug dealing heroin, only one in two, 51% of people say they would snitch on (laughs) uh, a close friend or family member. Domestic violence was fewer than half. I mean, it was was 77% of people would say they definitely would or probably would. Okay. But that's still one in four who who wouldn't report to the police someone who was um, abusing someone in the home. Uh, and then it really uh, it sort of continues to gradually go down. Uh, cruelty to animals was similar. Possession of a firearm was similar. Cruelty to animals. So it's forty three percent. So for, you're almost as likely to definitely report someone for cruelty to animals and cruelty to humans, <laughs> wow. uh, which is quite uh, quite bizarre. Um, drunk driving was just one in three would definitely report someone to the police. Mm-hmm. 
shoplifting, back to shoplifting, Matilda, your friends. Uh, <laughs> one in one in eight. Sorry, friends. <laughs> one in eight, thirteen percent would uh, report something to the police for shoplifting. Um, actually, <laughs> the age the age bracket is is unsurprising, but still quite stark. Mm. Um, in that the most pronounced difference was with drug dealing i think where 69 percent of people uh age 65 and older would report someone for dealing heroin Mm -hmm. uh 35 percent only one in three of young people would report someone if they knew they were dealing in heroin it's interesting it's It's really interesting and and, and that's for all of them all the crimes you are more likely to report someone the older you are, that's but, really <laughs> interesting, isn't um, it? That the older people are more likely to except for to one do that for almost all these mm. crimes. It's the, and it's very interesting. Domestic violence. This is really young, interesting. Young people, are younger people to... are more likely to report someone for domestic violence than older people, which mm. is really interesting. Um, and I think that I think it's down to public awareness campaigns. Public awareness it? campaigns, exactly. Yeah, domestic violence recently, and actually, I, th- I think the it, domestic violence is actually very interesting because I think the the sort of the, that relationships within homes and and the role of of the woman within a house has changed massively over mm. the last 100 years actually perhaps and and they have more rights and and the idea that um that a man should be able to treat a woman however he likes or a husband sorry should be able to treat a wife however he likes that's perhaps been one of the biggest cultural changes that, mm. that we've experienced and that's i was re- it's really really interesting um so what i thought i'd have a little look into is the <laughs> idea of snitching though <laughs> because it's interesting why we why why don't we or why don't why won't people report someone for committing murder like it's absolutely mad i think part of it that i've i've seen certainly in my experience mm. is um the process of of our sort of very old fashioned legal mm-hmm. system and I'll give you I'll give you an example. We when I was in the police, I was a detective and I dealt with a, a very serious assault of a man. Uh it was a GBH. So very, very nasty. And he was attacked by a random group of of lads. And it went went all the way to court because I had one witness who saw the whole thing. And because of her, mm-hmm. we identified these three people, put them on ID parades, picked them out. We had our three suspects and they and they went to court. And when it got to the day of the trial, that was many, many months later, this witness said, I am not going because I live on that estate. I will see these people Mm. every day. They'll know exactly who I am. Mm. There is no way I am going to go and give evidence. Without that person, we had no crime because in the eyes of the law, it doesn't matter how many witness statements you've got. If that person is not willing to stand in court, you've got nothing. Really? And it will be thrown out. And on the day of the trial, the old Bailey, I was stood there and the uh, defense barrister came up to me and said, I'm just checking the, uh, the witnesses here. And now was my moment because if I said no, mm. I knew full well that's what he was fishing for. He'd walk back, tell his clients, they'd mm. be walking out the door five minutes later, free men. And whether it was right or wrong, arguable, but I said, she's, uh, <laughs> she's, in, she's stuck in traffic. She's on her way. She's stuck in traffic. She's coming. And he went, okay, give me a minute. So he went back and he said, yeah, they're all going to plead guilty. Ooh, wow. And they did. And they went to jail. And it was it was a really, really good moment in my career because I, I felt that we got justice and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Had I told the truth and said she wasn't going to turn up that day, they'd be walked free. Did they know who she was at that moment? So, no. The thing was, at okay. that stage, um, the, the the way the ID parade system works, um, whether it's done live, as we see in the movies, you know, where the, mm. the real people come out, or <laughs> done more more likely these days, it's done on a laptop right. and you see an Photos, image. Yeah. You're not face-to-face with the people. So, at that stage, they still don't know 
who who these witnesses are. Mm. It's not until you're in a courtroom that they mm. see face to face exactly who the mm. person is for a very, very long time. And That's things like really... that that needs to be changed. And uh, their friends and family in the public gallery there. will see pu- who it is as well. Exactly mm. right. It's when, a public um, gallery. So everyone can just walk in and see them. When I when I worked at um, my local newspaper in, in Sig Cup years and years ago, it must have been about 26, 27, there was a massive noise coming down from there was an underground car park. So sort of three or four of us ran down and there was a guy who was uh, beating up. Um, he was because uh, it was right next to uh, a um, DVLA building, mm-hmm. so people would park there, nip into the DVLA, and come out. But of course, nipping into the DVLA yeah, building never. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you'd, you'd, you'd obviously often see people getting clamped. And this guy was absolutely kicking off about the fact he'd been clamped, and he was hitting, uh, he was sort of attacking, scrabbling slash attacking the um, um, the, the clamper guy. And uh, clamper guy, the official name, called. the clamper. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so obviously we sort of ran over and stopped it and broke it up, um, and then sort of got him in and reported it to police and that sort of stuff. Uh, and then um, they asked the police asked if I'd be willing to do a witness statement. I said no. Why? Because I was scared. Really? Didn't want to because he knew how it worked. And and uh, that's one of the issues, which I you know it's easy for people to go, oh, well, you're not doing your bit. But I totally get mm. where you're coming from. And trust me, in my time in the police, and obviously since doing all the TV shows, I know full well yeah. that you get a lot of lot of occasions where people have seen exactly what's happened, but you don't have uh, sort of the evidence of them giving anything mm. because of that reason. People are scared, and it is a very old fashioned system that we have here in the way that people have to stand up and give evidence face to face and. There's only you know a few circumstances where you could cover their face and give them anonymity. It's very, it's actually quite difficult to do, mm. and most crimes you can't do it for. So it's hard. Is that that's partly because the judicial system seems so remote? Like it seems, inc- it's not just how antiquated it is and how mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. old fashioned it is. It just feels distant from no- normal people. And I, and, yeah. and and I don't know if this is getting worse because. You know, when I when I see so I, where I live in in South East London, it's quite it's called a village. It's not really a village, but it does have like a community feel mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, when I see the police, like I kind of recognise them now. There's like little uh, community support officers, and there's police officers, and they're kind of wandering around, and I kind of know them by face to an extent now. And that's I find that really interesting. That's the first place where I've ever lived where, I, where I've kind of experienced that, and it does make me feel slightly closer mm-hmm. to the law in a kind of um societal sense like i i feel like part of the system more than i ever have mm. before i mm-hmm. felt much more distance from it and but i think with you know it's fairly fairly clear that police are getting quite a lot of cuts and stuff and that seems to be another issue where mm. do you do you do you mean that there might be a situation where someone may be asked to assist the police like your situation mm. with the, the the guy that was beaten up and you didn't help. Um, <laughs> and, and these I people, did help. I and these people know. say, well, you've not done anything for me, so why should I help you? Do you think there's a bit of that if they're not feeling part of it? I think, I, yeah, I think that yeah. is part of the issue. And yeah. I think the, the more the police are taken off the streets and, and unable to have that kind of, it's not just about, oh, more bobbies on the beat to, mm. to stop people being a victim of crime. It's to make us all feel more part of a, a, yeah. a broader society. And I think that's more and more of a problem, I would say. But we're definitely missing the angle, though, of just loyalty in terms of why people don't report, right? Like, there's... I don't want their friends to go to prison. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I feel... But because I feel slightly closer to that law, my loyalty structure has slightly changed, ever so slightly, but I now feel slightly more loyal to, say, the police because I, like, I recognise their faces. Like, they're just now normal people in the same way as other normal people I, like, see Mm. wandering around the shops in in my area. So my loyalty structure has changed, and I agree with you, you're right. Yeah. the idea of snitching is is really really interesting because mm-hmm. even that, like we all know what a snitch is, mm-hmm. 
but that's just an, inf- an informant, right? And but mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're right. I think the idea of being a snitch is 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 almost. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't tell on someone because snitching is regarded as being sort of morally dubious, mm. which is interesting, right? And very, I think yeah, also, there's also a big part of just, do you trust the police system? You know, do you think you're going to be treated fairly by yeah. the justice system? You know, I mean, the obvious example, if you're a young black man, like, you know, and, and you're, you're from a group of friends or whatever, a friend of yours has committed a crime, like, are you going to snitch to the police if you think that it's likely that you're going to be treated disproportionately to someone else of a different ethnicity? For, you know, like, mm. I think I think there's a definite factor here, which is just to what extent do you think that system will treat you fairly or you'll treat your friend fairly uh, and, and and if you don't think that the answer to that is 100% are you really going to turn them in? So, so like, yeah, I used to... Um so I'm uh, my dad's black, my mum's white, and I was I grew up in a town where I was one of probably two, if not three, you know, people of, of mm. color. And I used to get quite a hard time off the local police. I'd get pulled up, I'd get searched all the time, I'd get shouted at, I'd get pulled off my bike. You know, really mm. had a bad time of it. And I could go two ways. I could either think I, I hate all police, mm. or I could think it's not going to change unless people like me join up and try and try and make it better mm. so when um when i was in i was in as i mentioned i was in peckham and campbell was a very predominantly sort of a multicultural area and i would always make a point if i stopped someone to treat them exactly how i would want to be treated had i rewound the clock and me mm. being that kid again and it was one time and it was a there was a robbery it happened the suspect was described happened to be a black guy with a hood and a hood up and he was running away and we were driving along very close to the place and there you go there was a guy fitted the description so we stopped him and he was kicking off saying, what you stopped me for? I'm late, blah, blah, blah. And it ended up, it wasn't him. We, we quickly realized it wasn't him. And I just explained, look, mate, we've just had a robbery. Like an old lady <laughs> just been robbed around the corner. The guy, I'll, t- I'll show you the description. Yeah. I got him to play it over the radio and he could hear it. And, um, and I said, uh, and he said, but I'm late now because you've stopped me. I said, well, where are you going? And he told us where he was going. He was a DJ. He was going to a DJ lesson, you know, about a mile away. We were plain clothes as I was most of my police career we didn't look like cops so I just said well jump in the car we'll take you nice. so we drove him up there and um, <laughs> when he got out he's like boys I'm sorry for that you're actually alright and and yeah. that I thought was worth more you know for him actually yeah. thinking they're not all bad you know mm. what I mean like you just yeah, speak to him as a human being I think if people do that it goes a long way mm. so Bravo, you were talking earlier about mm. how can we close that gap like even if something is sort of procedural is making it easier for people to um, um, report crime or putting themselves in the firing line mm-hmm. to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do? What can well, we- I think that's a big part of it. Using technology now, it's it's very old school how how we can report things. So using smartphones you know we we would never i would never advise people just stand there and film things on their phones which you know you things go around the internet don't they Mm, rather than helping but if if that footage is there use it to good get it into the police get it in and, and use it be willing to come forward and tell them what you can and i think in an ideal world, if I was if I was PM, <laughs> I would I would try and uh, and allow this this legal system that we've got to be more modern and and to allow people to provide all their details to the police and whatever. But then from that moment onwards, to give be given anonymity, to be able to stand in court and not be seen by the defendant, and to be able to give your evidence in confidence, knowing that you're you're safe. And I think that's a big part of what's what's stopping people coming forward and, and doing that. And if there was any way that we could move with the times, I think it now's the time to do it. And uh, so we're recording this um, the morning after the first episode of the most recent series of Line of Duty. Do you think? <laughs> Um, do you think this kind of prevalence of cop shows uh, helps or hinders that relationship 
Um, that's a very good question as to whether it helps or hinders. The cop shows that I've, I haven't seen that one, by the way. I've just got to point out. I've never oh, seen, I've never seen a, a minute of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what that one's about. Um, but the cop shows that I have, <laughs> uh, I think in general they're, they're, they're entertaining, but they're nothing like reality. Mm. Nothing like it whatsoever. I mean, I can't go into detail, but a friend of mine at the moment who I joined with, I was talking to him this morning, who I joined the police with, and um, he's still in and he's dealing with uh, so many crimes, so many. He did 20 hours yesterday uh, at work. He's not been home yet. He's mm. he's working again today, round the clock. He's got no t- no staff, no, and he's dealing with crime after, you know, no, more crimes are getting piled up on his list. He just can't deal with it. That's the reality rather than what you see on a, on a TV show. And I was about mm. to say that's a really boring reality, but of course it isn't actually, because then when you look at the nursing profession, however, that is often portrayed on screen, is very much portrayed yeah. as invariably nurses trying to deal with this mountain of work mm. and kind of, it, it feels far more chaotic in some respects. Whereas with police, it's like, when they're not that kind of traditional kind of when they're not out solving the crime they're just sitting on their desks yeah, talking yeah. About. <laughs> that's what these shows yeah, would yeah, say yeah. but it's um, but the, and therefore ideas. you're right my, my perception actually is if you were to ask me who has a high, high heavier workload like teachers, nurses or, or police officers I'd be like uh, definitely nurses then of course yeah. how the hell do I know? <laughs> you know you're just going from what you've seen but when you look at these these TV shows there will be a team of, of detectives dealing with one crime yeah. where when I was in as a, as a detective I'd have like 35 crimes of my own that I'm dealing with as well as anything yeah. else that comes in that day and on top of that you've got prisoners as well so it's like there's just no time to deal when with when you it. say you had, like, you had like dozens of crimes would mm. some of them be like like, no, no, no. I was a detective. No, I was a detective. So, <laughs> so I would only deal serious. with stabbings, uh, drug deal, like high-end drug dealers, um, uh, the high end of criminality. So the highest stuff is what I would deal with. Major deceptions, things that take a massive amount of time mm. and effort to deal with, and uh, it just mounts. It mounts, and that's that's before the cuts that we've had recently yeah. as well. So it was it was not as bad as it is at the moment. Right, I'm going to move us on to our final survey of the episode, which is one which is more about your sense of safety and how how much you feel like it's likely you might personally be a victim of crime. Um, so the question I'd like to just ask before we go into mm. the results is which of the following crimes uh, would you say that you're personally sort of most afraid of being a victim of, if any, or is that just not really something you ever worry about? Um, so the ones on the list are home-breaking, cybercrime, Violent crime, so physical assault or street robbery. Uh, Matilda, do you want to start? Um, in terms, we say afraid of the one that I'm like most afraid of would be violent crime, mm. but that doesn't mean I think it will happen. Right. The one that I think will happen to me and has happened to me is cybercrime. I imagine it will happen again. Mm. I've been, I've had my account. You may even know about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my my <laughs> most recent experience of this was my British Airways account got hacked and someone stole my air miles. Oh, <laughs> wow. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's just low. <laughs> yeah. I got them back. Thanks, British Airways. Um, Victimless crime. Done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's uh, something that I feel sort of resigned to, actually, that right. my account will be hacked and that I'm at risk of that. That's so worried. That's so dangerous, mm. though, isn't it? And I think that's really common. Like, mm. oh, it's just going to happen. Oh, oh, again. Boring. Might as well not even yeah. bother putting password protections in properly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes it more likely. Mm. Oh, okay. What um, about you, Stu? Uh, I think the one that uh, worries me is definitely the home breaking, but that's mm-hmm. a family thing. Mm-hmm. Like if if there if I was attacked on the street and I got an absolute shoeing, that that would only affect me. But I think anything that impacts family is sort of out of your control, and you mm-hmm. know you're not in control of the impacts, like the psychological impacts of that on children and stuff like that. So that would 
that's the thing that you know i live in a you know southeast london is it's fairly prevalent around there so I, I assume it will happen at some point but um yeah it's not like what they nick that would bother me it'd be like just the experience kids going down and seeing like tv style and having to explain that mm. <laughs> i don't fancy that no Rap, what about you? Um, <clears throat> I would agree that I think the uh, well, I've been a victim of cyber crime mm. um, but I've also been a victim of of crime because of my job um, mm, so there's that as well that I, I have that added element um, <clears throat> because I've I do a lot of live telly excuse me and because I do a lot with uh, <clears throat> nasty people and uh, <laughs> nasty people that I don't particularly like <laughs> like my, my face on TV I've I've had things done I mean I, I when I'm away from home, you know I'm away from home. Right. So if I do a live show, you know I'm not at home. And I've had oh, okay. my my car that was parked outside smashed up, um, uh, caused so much damage, which of course you can never prove it was because I was I was doing a live show at the mm -hmm. time. It was just very unfortunate that the day before I actually bumped into a criminal that I arrested when I was in the police oh, whilst God. I was driving the same car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. in, yeah, in the same area. That's awful. So, yeah, and then. I've had other things. I've had, you know, stalkers and, and bits and pieces I've had because of the, the work that I do. So again, I know that that's, that's something that's, I have yeah. to deal with in terms of the home security element. I agree with you. It's, it's something that we do have to look out for, but I take so many precautions. Like I've got mm. home CCTV that I've got, which is brilliant you know it's mm. a great deterrent from all i worked on a burglary unit for two years so i know burglary <laughs> sort of suspects inside out yeah. what they yeah. tell me i don't you know they'd, they'd be frank with me they'd a burglar will look at a street houses uh, a row of houses in a street and they will just simply pick the easiest one to get into how do they what's their what's their so they're just saying well what's the easiest one which one's the most well lit okay i'm not going to that one which one's got a big mm -hmm. hedge behind uh the, the front doors behind right that's good because i can hide behind it no one can see me going in there which <laughs> one's got a burglar alarm actually that one i'm not going to try that one hasn't got a burglar alarm next door brilliant that's the one. so it's like it's almost like guess who no you know when you're flicking there. down the faces until you're too <laughs> that's how they they would target a home so it's um and also the one that doesn't look occupied. So they'd tell me little tricks like, you know, when you get those annoying flyers for a local pizza place or mm. whatever, and they, you walk, when you go home today, walk down your street, you'll see a couple poking out the letterbox. A burglar will walk past and they'll see that one and then they'll walk past a couple of hours later. If it's still there, chances mm, are no one's in the house. And they will of... use that as a little, as a little trick. Right. So there's all these things. Basically, don't like make we're your sharing house, tips yeah. we're sharing. Don't make your house <laughs> look like it's, you know, the easy target. Mm. So I, I often don't. So I, I, going back to the original point, I think the cybercrime, I agree with you. It mm. is, it is very prevalent. Unfortunately, we just have to try and make ourselves as secure as we can. That's what about it. you? You can <laughs> answer. Yeah, Victoria. It's, you it's answer. the privilege of being the host. <laughs> um, the thing that, I worry most often, simple, my bike being stolen, mm -hmm. only because it's logical, mm -hmm. it's locked outside all the time. Um, or walking home alone at night, I would I would say violent crime I'm scared of. I also mm. grew up in South America, so I have like certain kind of just instincts. I remember when I felt like I, I grew up walking around like carrying pepper spray, you know, and mm. then I had to come to London and be like, oh, you, you don't do that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are just certain kind of things Water that cooling I discussions. Realize. What pepper spray have you got today? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's the new girl? She's <laughs> um, yeah, there are just certain things like that that you just that you just get used to looking around you seeing who's there crossing the it's road if you thing, feel though. unsafe yeah yeah which i um, um i don't mind keeping up yeah. but yeah i would say those are probably the things i think about cybercrime i don't know i now feel like maybe i should think about it a bit more I, yeah I luckily never happened to me but i'm sure it has happened to me. i, I possibly it probably has happened to me and i don't even realize mm, probably. i don't yeah it doesn't it doesn't bother me. i feel it feels so disconnected from it 
Um, I've got other stuff to worry about, to be honest. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, well, so the survey, so within the survey, we we gave people these four options and said, which of these do you worry about most often? The results show over a quarter of young people are worried about being victims of robbery or violent crime. Older groups are more concerned about cybercrime. Um, while 18 to 24s worry about physical assault. So to look at cybercrime, just over a quarter of Britain, so 28%, say that they worry about cybercrime often. Um, of the forms of crime asked about in the survey, this is the only type which young people were less likely to be concerned about than older groups. So a third, 35% of those aged 55 and over, regularly feel concerned about it, compared to one in five, 22% of 18 to 24s. So I do think that age breaks are, are quite interesting here mm-hmm. in that, yeah, young people definitely more concerned about street robbery, violent crime, older people more concerned about cybercrime, I guess because they probably feel more vulnerable, like they're less aware of of you know how to navigate internet security and so on. Um, women are consistently more likely than men to report feeling worried often about any of the crimes listed, mm. home break-in, cybercrime, violent crime and street robbery. Um, when it comes to home break-in, one in five, 18% worry often about a home break-in, which I think is, is quite a lot. Really. It's quite a lot. Um, it's quite sad, really, if you think about it, that people are... Yeah, spending a lot of time worrying about it. Yeah. Broken down by region, that rises to between a fifth and a quarter, so around 25% in the north, south, east and midlands. It's slightly lower in Wales and Scotland. Mm. So around by the big cities then, presumably. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I think it kind of backs up what we're saying though, doesn't it? Mm. <clears throat> I think the home one's always going to be a, a biggie. It's just sad mm. to hear you say that it's probably going to happen, you know? like that, yeah. That's really sad that you, you think like that. It's It should be the other way, you know? You, you probably keep them out. Yeah, and actually, up. probably, in terms, of, in terms yeah, of that, yeah, probably it won't yours. happen to me, actually. Yeah, exactly. I guess the, sta- the stats exactly. would suggest it probably won't happen to me. But yeah. um, but I think it's, I, I think um, it's talking about, you know, the, the impact of crime on people. It's like, you know, um, if, if a family member was to be, had their, their house broken into, I would feel more vulnerable because suddenly that crime is slightly closer to you than... Than it was before, or a neighbour, obviously, or a, yeah, of course, or a neighbour, yeah. But but even someone who didn't live anywhere near me, if they were a victim of, of a home breaking, it would make me feel more, feel more yes. vulnerable. Which is mm. a, it's kind of nonsensical. But again, it's that sense of, um, uh, you know, the psychological impact of crimes is. Um, yeah. I was going to tell you this story quickly. Um, mm. I know we're, we're short of time, but so when I was again in a place dealing with burglaries specifically, there was this guy that uh, he was late twenties. Uh, uh, worked in the city came home after his christmas party and uh opened his front door and it was it was already open it was sort of flung open and mm. as he did this huge huge man came walking down with his tv <gasps> in his in his arms like literally oh, walking down horrible. his stairs he was confronted with him and the guy was towered over him so he said he, he panicked and he bought, got a bottle of champagne that he just won from his christmas party <laughs> and hit him over the head and knocked Whoa. him out anyway the police what came you do next <laughs> quickly pan- you know called the police police came and this guy was sort of stumbling on the floor but they, they got him anyway and uh, he, he got nicked cut a long story short it goes to court and um the judge was just about to sentence this man and then um he said to me like that the, the victim sorry was so so worried about getting into trouble for hitting him with a with mm. a bottle and he was kept saying to me please don't let me get in trouble please like because i'm gonna get in trouble and i said look you're in your own home this guy was much mm. bigger than you you were threatened you 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 acted in self-defense you will be okay and it went further than that. The judge actually said to me, um, 
am I allowed to give a community bravery award <laughs> to, to someone in their own home? And I thought, well, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. So <laughs> I said, let me just check for you, Your Honor. I went outside and, and my solicitor there, she was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I just went, right, just, just count, to like, say, yeah. count to 30. <laughs> and then we walked back in. I went, yes, you can, Your Honor. 500 quid. No way. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so he was over the moon. So he like, yeah, we solved the crime. The guy went to prison for years. And he oh, got 500 yeah. quid out. Oh. himself a new bottle of champagne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the interesting thing about this survey, which I think this is a particularly interesting group to talk to about, we've got two journalists and someone who does lots of kind of public media work mm-hmm. about crime. For me, what, what what's interesting about this is, is whether our concern about crime comes just from something like being worried about our family um, or if it how informed is it basically mm. is it because we're looking at crime stats we're thinking there's a this percent chance that i'm going to be a victim mm. of this crime or is it is it more of a kind of personal thing how much you're just a personality whether you're whether you've got a lot to be really concerned about in terms of your home and kids and so on and i was look i think like reporting crime is is really difficult because i found even just for me i was looking at the regional breakdowns and then thinking well i'll just try and cross-reference that with stats on where which crime is most likely and see whether it makes Mm. sense but it's quite hard to Mm. make sense of because there's you know stats by year or stats by quarter and obviously you know a lot of the a lot of the writing around it will sort of tell the bad story it'll say crime is this crime this type of crime has risen in the last Mm. quarter but it won't give you the full context of actually in recent decades crime is going going down that's what I was looking on the Office of National Statistics. It said in recent decades, overall levels of crime have been going down. Now it's sort of stabilised, but violent crime is going up mm-hmm. slightly, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But I wondered if maybe just each of you could speak a little bit about how you feel about sort of the best way to report or speak in the public eye about crime in a way that makes people, you know, be careful and be vigilant, but not feel overly concerned. Well, I, I'll, I'll kick this one off because... Um, so. I got injured in the police uh, years ago and when I came back I was on what they call light duties where I couldn't go properly out on on the streets and uh, they put me in a newly formed unit which was like a telephone reporting unit in the Met and my job was literally to take people reporting minor crime Mm. not micro (laughs) minor minor crime um, over the phone now people may may argue that's not great and and I probably wouldn't fight too hard uh, you know against that but it was enabled to enable some people to report things that ordinarily wouldn't be. So take um, someone who had been away for seven days, came home, and the bike that was chained outside, their push bike was no longer there. That's a crime. It's been taken. But the options where we were would be you phone the police and you might have to work, wait two or three days before someone could come out to that because they're dealing with so many major incidents. Oh, yeah. So a lot of people go, do you know what? Don't bother. That's now not reported as a crime. However, if they were to be able to phone someone like me in that office and report it in 10 minutes, get your crime number, and then it's done, Mm. that is now a report of crime. A year later, those statistics for bike theft may look different to what they would the year before because more reports have been coming across. So where people look at statistics, for example, sometimes they may not be a true reflection of what's happened. Mm. And and even a, a violent crime, which I, I don't know those statistics that you've seen, but a violent crime could well be common assault, which, as I mentioned, um, I believe earlier, could be someone that's pushed someone on the arm at a barbecue, left no damage. That could still be an assault. Um, but it may look as a statistic, violent crime is really, really bad, thinking yeah, people yeah. are going to get stabbed every day. And it perhaps might not be that. Mm. So... Um, yeah, that's my views on that one. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm, I would definitely agree to give as much context to statistics as mm-hmm. possible because mm-hmm. you say violent crime is rising. That sounds really scary. Yes. Mm. Um, but you need to really, really make sure that people understand the context of that and the 
um, the ONS, Office of National Statistics, that you mentioned earlier, they're always very clear in their reports that a lot of the time the changes come from how many people report crimes, Mm. not from how many crimes are being committed. And there are lots of kind of public campaigns um, about specific crimes that improve reporting and then the stats really leap up. Yes. Mm. 100% 100% definitely as a journalist you, you need to give that context when you're writing about these and often headlines can be quite sensational yeah. <laughs> um, but you need to make sure that people really understand where actually these numbers could be coming from yeah I agree the other interesting thing though is that when sort of reporting of crime often actually sort of just reporting the numbers on itself people don't particularly engage with that necessarily uh, what they what they often engage more with is the kind of the example of that particular crime that's in the news at the moment yeah, so yeah, yeah. and it's and actually I don't know if that's a healthy or unhealthy thing because then you're attaching emotional elements to kind of like this kind of hard data which explains if things are bad or not but I think um like this is all I think it's impossible to report on it completely accurately because we don't even know it's like this is recorded crime as well like yeah. it could well mm. be in one area there's a particular campaign around you know to to reduce domestic violence you might get more instances of domestic violence being reported, being reported you yeah. could have a really that that society that part of society might now have a more healthy attitude yeah. but the perception of it will be completely the opposite yeah and the perception is so important it's like murder murder is obviously obviously a like crime so so serious you know and it's something that the police are desperately trying to to bring the numbers down one's too many mm. um but you are more likely to die falling on the stairs mm. than you are to be murdered in the uk and mm. if every time someone died falling on the stairs was in the news and on every every yeah. single program that you opened up was was about that people would probably be scared to walk up and down the stairs mm. so it's it's that perception you know and yeah. it's how you how you treat it and yeah. so you don't want to scaremonger people your perception of of cause obviously at the moment london those particular mm. there has well there has been there has been an, an increase in in violent crime, particularly murder and knife crime, etc. Do you think it's do you think the, do you think reporting of it is fair and accurate? Do you think it's a spike? Is it something we should be worried about, or actually is it is it an anomaly? And it's only over the last year, and actually probably it won't. It's not as bad as we all perceive it to be. Um, there's never going to be an, a, a perfect answer for this, but I think a lot of the violent crime that's sort of the real high-end stuff that you, that makes the news tends to be it, it's it's less frequent that it's a totally random attack mm. it's less mm. frequent and um having said that there are there's been four um yesterday which doesn't help the, the day yeah. that we record this um so but that of course is likely to be a mental health issue from what it, it sounds yeah it's and then that's a whole other issue yeah. about you know the cuts that we've mentioned and, and affecting that but i think um it's the context and obviously now it's more likely to make the news regardless where mm. when i was in the police and we would have stabbings i i hate to say very very often because i was the one that was dealing with them a lot of the time very often they didn't even make the papers and they, mm. even the local papers sometimes didn't even pick them up because but now because it's such a hot topic instantly it'll be on the news instantly yeah. it'll be a headline so it makes us feel that it's happening so much more and even though i agree that the statistics do tend to show that a small increase it certainly doesn't look as as prevalent as it may it may appear from the headlines it's, it's interesting the, the, what, how you qualified it with them um, almost invariably you know the person involved is like if if you're part of a gang um involved in drugs 
you know it's possibly quite violent already. Mm. Um, but that idea of, well, I could be walking down the street and get stabbed at any moment. Mm. Yeah, that, People that's feel bit, more of yeah. that now, certainly. Yeah, um, and that's what I want to stress is very, very rare. Mm. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's kind of random, random stuff. I mean, yes, it does happen, but it's very, mm. very rare out of a population of 64 million or whatever we've got. You know, if you, it, it is rare. But, but it's, it's so important, I think, that people do understand the distinction because it because it... In itself, those then become two very, very different social issues, I think. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's about people within gangs, like, being hurt or or even killed through, like, stabbings versus people attacking random members of society, they're two problems that you would surely tackle in completely different ways. Yeah, they are. Um, But then it goes back to what we were saying earlier about witnesses, um, largely. So, again, I'm speaking from my own Mm -hmm. experience, we'd we'd have have a stabbing. Gang A against Gang B. So one from A stabs one from B. What happens next? Two from B will go and chase one from the original mm. gang. Yeah. What happens next? They'll then get three of their mates to attack. Them. And it goes it goes backwards and forwards and gets yeah. worse and worse and worse. And the violence escalates. So it's um it's 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 a problem that that needs to be tackled at that level. Um, but if someone sees it. And, and often these are witnesses that see it, they're not going to want to get involved because they're scared. Mm. So it goes yeah. back to what we said earlier about people coming forward and, and wanting to help police. And if they don't come forward, you therefore don't have the, the conviction that you could have had in, initially and it escalates and escalates until we finally you can get one. It's very difficult. The police, are they've got a tough job at the moment. Um, so there's, there's, um, it's actually quite interesting though because the perception of how, uh, of knife crime at the moment uh, compared to sort of we would assume it to be worse than it's been for a long time but actually as recently as 2006 2006 7 the number of hospital admissions for um uh, in knife crime or as, as they've termed it for assault by a sharp object was actually higher just a decade ago it was higher than it has been this year so mm. it has actually increased in the last four years and that that might speak to it and it's obviously not therefore not an issue yeah but actually as a society previously it has yeah. been higher than what it is now and you would mm. assume from all the headlines and, and whatever that, that now is that the worst yeah. it's ever been yeah. but yeah that's that's very interesting and it's um it, it just just quickly when i again when i was in in the police we were one of the first places that actually had what they call a positive charge policy for for any bladed article so if someone had a knife on them looking at the law book if you've never been in trouble before really you you wouldn't ordinarily be entitled to like a caution mm. uh, but where we were we didn't have that we said no you you get charged every single time doesn't matter how much previous you do or don't have you are going to court and um and Zero we tolerance. were sort of pioneers in that really which i think is absolutely the case that should be now it, it doesn't matter if you've got a knife there's no good reason that mm. you've you've got it you've got it and there's no good the that can come the know. intent's already there well mm. well yeah, well, that's what they would say. Yeah, because yeah. I guess some would then, say, well, I need it for my own protection. But then, yeah, well, which is absolutely instant, instant yeah. uh, offence complete by yeah. saying that. By yeah. Way. But yeah, it, it worked really well. And, then, you know, if you have got a genuine, genuine reason for it, tell the court. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, wrapping up, Britain is a nation of what do we think? Micro criminals. And we are, we definitely are a bunch of crims, right? <laughs> we. we... We are. I think. I think we're micro criminals who justify too many what carrots. we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> carrot stealing perps. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. We are. A, we are a nation of carrot stealing micro criminals. But but, but not, <laughs> not much worse than that. Yeah. If you'd like to see the full results of these surveys, visit YouGov or find in-depth articles and analysis on uk.news.yahoo.com/forward/slash. We'll be back next week with more discussion around British stats and behaviour. So please subscribe if you've enjoyed today's show and feel free to reach out on Twitter using hashtag Biano.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.